Hey everyone, Tuesday at the US Open is basically in the books. I just got home, had a day where I didn't have a car, um, which actually might be a little bit of a, a good place to start because if you are going to the US Open this week at Brookline, um, you can obviously park and get a shuttle. But what I did, and it worked out pretty nicely, is I actually got an Uber. I live in Boston. Uh, and I got it to the Lar- Lars Anderson Park and then just walked maybe 10 minutes down the street to the country club. It was really easy. Um, I did not try to do that on the way home. However, you always forget it's a little trickier to get an Uber when you're in a place where there are thousands of people. Um, so I took a shuttle back into Boston and then walked home through the city. It is a beautiful night. The weather has been incredible these last two days and it looks like it's going to be pretty good all week. And the golf course just looks great because of it. Um, It's going to be challenging. um, And I'm just excited for the golf to start counting. Um, The practice rounds I've noticed this week, these last two days, first off, anyone who kind of talks about golfers, um, you know, only playing golf Thursday to Sunday, four days a week, these guys are out there and they are grinding. They are spending hours at the golf course, playing golf, practicing. Um, I watched JT, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Will Zalatoris spend a good chunk of time between their ninth and 10th holes just signing autographs for kids. I mean, I, they're spending 10 or 15 minutes. It was, uh, It was great. I think these guys realize they've got some good energy to put into the world right now, uh, which is important considering where some of uh, golf's energy is with live golf and all that stuff. These guys are, these guys are working really hard. It is a, it is a hard, hard week. They're obviously preparing for a golf course that they don't really know as well. So they're trying to get as many reps in as possible, trying to learn the greens, trying to figure out the good places to miss the places they can save par from if they, uh, you know, miss a green, or if they want to just hit it on the green and two putt and, and get a, get out with a par. Uh, so, you know, I, I know and I don't think live golf is, is good at all. But when you spend a few days in a row at a golf tournament when the golfers aren't playing, uh, you know, rounds that count, you start to you, you can start to put together the fact that maybe some of these guys would prefer and clearly do prefer playing 54 hole events where the purse is huge, where there is no cut and it takes away a lot of that pressure to prepare. Um, and I think that's a, that's kind of a big difference that I've noticed this week, even in the two days, I know tomorrow's day three, um, and the guys will be working hard again, but just between the heat and the intensity of the week, um, talking, these guys are dealing with the press. They're answering questions. They're trying to figure out how they want to set up their bag. They're trying to figure out where they want to hit the golf ball for 18 holes over the course of hopefully for them four rounds. Uh, But, you know, you can start to see the, the draw of, man, I could play, I can play eight events a year, 54 holes, an event without getting cut. And I can always cash at least like $200,000 that can feel really appealing if you're if you're grinding. Now, obviously, I'm not stoked about where the money's coming from, but just just a thought. Uh, maybe something I'll kind of unpack a little bit more as the week goes on. Phil was there today, 
and he had uh, kind of a warm reception. I actually just happened to be walking across the first um, hole when he teed off this morning. Uh, I ran into a friend, which um, has kind of become a trend this week. Not that I have friends, but just that they all happen to be at the country club as well to watch golf. And we were walking across the fairway and Phil teed off and we just figured we'd stand and see what the reception is like as he walked down, you know, down the first hole after hitting his tee shot. And you get people who are yelling loudly, uh, maybe the loud minority who are trying to get a thumbs up from Phil. Phil's still doing this whole shtick um, with his thumbs up. Uh, And at this point, another friend that I ran into that we were following along, Matt, um, and and his and his coworker Pete, we were kind of commenting on how it just doesn't feel like it actually has anything behind it anymore. It's just this weird reaction that he that he does um, and has kind of no no oomph or no charm behind the uh, the thumbs up. And maybe some people would have said that a year ago. Maybe some people would have said that three years ago. But the reception overall felt felt fine. Um, I saw Bryson quickly. Actually met him. Um, on the range and didn't see him out there. I guess some of the stuff I saw on social, it looked like, you know, the reception was what it was. Nothing, nothing crazy. I saw DJ, not a lot of yelling for DJ that he was playing with uh, Gary Woodland. Um, and I can't remember who the other person was and just seemed like he was playing golf and no one was really super excited to see him. And as usual, he wasn't really super excited to see everybody. I did notice that DJ had the Netflix um, cameras. I believe it looked like it was Netflix just following him around during his his practice. Um, so that was, he. I mean, they were in his face, cameras right up on him, boom mics chasing him down the 14th fairway. So nothing, nothing really to report as far as live. And I know Brooks had some comments today about how it was putting a dark cloud over the U.S. Open. Uh, that's fine. Brooks can Brooks can say whatever he wants to say. I did notice a guy today wearing a Live and Let Live golf shirt. Um, he was a large fellow that could uh, house a, stay, a saying that um, cumbersome and and long. I'm not surprised that you know they they can't come up with their own slogans. They've got to steal ones from songs and Bond movies and wherever else that that phrase comes from. Um, so that was, and that was kind of the only visual thing I saw around Liv. Um, and he was very proud of his shirt. Um, seemed like one of those people who just was like, I'm going to go to the golf tournament wearing this and see how much attention I can get. Usually thinking about a practice round, it just is contained to thinking about how the players are getting ready for the week. But I noticed even from yesterday to today that these practice rounds and getting people on the grounds, getting people into shuttles and through the gates and through security. Um, It's also a practice round for the course, for the volunteers. Uh, The volunteers are still learning kind of, they're learning the ropes um, sometimes quite literally when to move them for people to cross fairways and, you know, how to use the, the bright neon paddles so that the people down in the fairway know where a golf ball might be going. Um, so that I, I never really had thought about that part either, but going back back to back days, um, there were some spots on the golf course that are going to get really backed up. And between yesterday and today, there were a few little changes made to maybe try to help the flow 
of both the golfers and the spectators, um, namely behind the 18th green where players walk off 18. Um, there's a pathway between the 18th green and the the locker room that the players um, kind of go to for probably will go to for scoring after they finish their their round or will just go to after they do scoring to change and uh, get ready for whatever's next after their round. And that that area is going to be very congested. It is uh, a point in, in the golf course that a lot of people will be traveling through. Um, so they kind of changed how wide they made that area. They made it wider so that the players can get and can get through a little bit more easily. Um, but that's kind of one thing that I noticed just as far as practice rounds day to day, the course is also trying to figure these things out. And when it's a course that hasn't had a a major event since 1999, um, they, you know, they have, they have a lot of little tweaks and things that they can, that they can do over these three days of the practice round. And I'm sure over the course of the whole week, there'll be 50% more people there starting Thursday. So um, it's, it's going to be really crowded in spots and it's going to be kind of tricky to move around the golf course and follow a golfer per se, if that's how you like to enjoy a round of golf. Um, being at the Memorial last weekend in Ohio, it was, um, uh, well, not last weekend, sorry, almost two weeks ago now. It was just an interesting thing to compare. There was a lot of space there, but there are still kind of choke points um, at the Memorial. But it, they just seemed like they had everything running really smoothly because it's a place that hosts an event every year. And this is not the case for the country club. So my press pass gives me a little bit of access. Not a lot. I'm, I'm very jealous of the folks who can get inside of the ropes and, and walk golf holes with the players. I do not have that um, level of access. I have access to the media tent. I have access to the areas where the press conferences are held. So if I want to go and ask a question, I can do that. I also have access to the driving range and the practice area. So I can go in and wander the range and meet and meet players. And this morning when I was in there, the first person I met was not a player. It was Tommy Hines, who I have written about. He is the owner of the Francis Wimet House, which is across the street from the country club. Um, I just wrote a piece about the restoration that Mr. Hines has um, led. He is a kind of a legend in Boston real estate. He's a member at the country club and he bought the house in, in 2020. And I would encourage you to go to amateurgolf.com and, and read about my, my story. But I was chatting with him and the house, when I saw it a month ago to write the piece, was in the middle of construction and restoration, and it is now complete. And Tommy invited me over this morning, so I went over at 10.30 and walked in, and the whole place has been transformed and furnished with 1913-era furniture. Um, you know, you can stand up in Francis Wilmette's bedroom, and there's twin beds like it must have been when Francis and his brother Wilfred lived there. You can see in, you can see through the window out onto the golf course. Um, you can imagine being able to actually see the golf course pretty easily from the second floor of the house when there's no USGA trucks and um, other infrastructure standing in the way. So that was a really nice thing to do this morning and just to kind of, just to see the whole thing complete. And Mr. Hines also told me, I know I'm going back between Tommy and Mr. Hines. Um, he's, 
he's such a nice man that it's easy to call him Tommy, but he has a lot of gravitas that it feels like you should call him Mr. Hines. Um, so Mr. Hines was telling me first off that Joe Thornton, the former Boston Bruin who was drafted almost 24 years ago now by the Bruins lived with him for four years. So his first four years on the Bruins, he was living with Mr. Hines uh, and playing for the Bruins. And he uh, still keeps in touch with, with Joe Thornton, who is just finishing his NHL career. I think he's 42. He never won a Stanley Cup. Um, the Bruins traded him, man, what feels like a long time ago. And he won an MVP that same year. Um, so I thought that was kind of a, an interesting story to picture an 18-year-old first round, first overall pick, just moving in with uh, with a family in Brookline uh, and, and playing professional hockey. Mr. Hines also told me he wakes up every morning, hops on his bike, goes literally across the street from his driveway is the entrance into the country club. And he rides his bike on the cart pass around the the golf course. He said it's about a two-mile loop. And he gets out there at 6 a.m. He'll do his ride. He very much appreciates the new paved golf uh, golf cart paths that were installed to make um, you know life for the USGA easier. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a, a really a, a neat um, little anecdote just to hear about someone using the country club in the morning for their exercise and bike ride. This morning, I also went to Rory. Uh, McElroy's press conference. I love Rory. I think he was pretty honest today. It, it, you know, it, it stood in stark contrast to Phil Mickelson kind of biting back at the at the media yesterday. I was most maybe taken aback by his blunt words when he was asked about Liv being dead in the water, which were his words in February. Um, when, you know, players started backing out and, you know, pledging their loyalty to the PGA Tour. Uh, and he was asked about, like, what went wrong? Why isn't Liv dead in the water? And McElroy, pretty straightforward, said, because I took the player's word um, at face value. Uh, and he said, and clearly that was a mistake on my part. So Rory kind of comes out. That was the very first question that was asked from the press. Uh, he talks a little bit about the golf course. Uh, he also said that players who are going to live are taking the easy way out, which was another pretty big jab. Uh, he called his comment about uh, winning his 21st event being one more than someone else, and that's someone else being Greg Norman. He said he you know, sheepishly admitted that might have been a little petty, but he did not apologize for it, and I could sense that he was, you know, pretty pleased with him with himself still, even though he understood that it might have been a little bit petty. Uh, Rom was another one who spoke today. I didn't go to that press conference, but I did think that his statement that you know, it, live golf is not real golf. It's 54 hole events. There's no cut. Kind of like what I was talking about just earlier. Um, it was a pretty uh, loud uh, denunciation of of live golf. And his name has been one that has kind of bounced around as someone who could be leaving for Liv. Um, he used the number 400 million today when he was when he said he talked to his wife about, you know, what would 400 million dollars do for us? Um, 
So I didn't see his full press conference. I just saw the maybe minute and a half clip that was getting uh, shot around social media. And I don't know if that's the only time he mentioned that much money, but people seem to think that that's the number that he turned down from Liv. He was also playing with Phil today. So, you know, take those two things for what they're worth. I think that's um, maybe he's just trying to prove that these two sides can coexist. Uh, or maybe he's maybe he's kind of trying to figure out what this whole live golf thing is about. Anyways, uh, I thought Rom that was a pretty pretty interesting uh, statement for him to make, and he's always very well spoken and honest. I want to just make a quick correction from last night's dispatch. Michael Thorpe Bjornsson's caddy is not named Jake Cohen; it is Drew Cohen, um, and he will be on the bag this week for Michael. Um, so sorry if I for messing that up. And finally, I just want to take people through a a few things for you to think about. I know I mentioned getting an Uber kind of down close to the golf course and then walking in. Um, definitely something I would recommend doing, especially if you can kind of figure out your way home. Obviously, you got to think about you got to think the whole way through. Um, I would say get there early, whether you're there going on Wednesday or Thursday through Sunday, getting there early is always just a good thing to do. You, it things, it takes a little less energy to get around. You can see some, some golf shots. You can see some of the golf course. You can stake out a spot, um, if you'd like, and just hang out for a few hours and sit. Um, but as soon as the people start to really get there, it is really challenging to move around. And I would just say, if you can get there early, if you want to see kind of the end of the day, get there early and just reserve your energy or really wait until the end of the day and, and go a little bit later, show up at noon, show up at one and just know you're going to see four or five hours of golf. And if you're okay with that and the players who are teeing off in the afternoon on Thursday or Friday, um, you know, everyone wants to be there at the end of the day on Saturday, Sunday to see the leaders, but just I, I would I would recommend anybody just consider how much energy and time you want to spend at the golf course and kind of think about think about that. Bring sunscreen. There is not a lot of shade out there, and where the shade is, you can't really see a ton of golf. And when it gets more full on Thursday to Sunday, it will be even harder to see the golf from the shaded spots. Um, some places I would recommend going and watching. If you walk up to the second hole. Two, three, four, five, six is in this really good spot. Um, the sixth hole is a great par three. You can sit in the bleachers there and behind the sixth um, green, and you can you get a pretty good vantage point of a few different holes, and you can kind of people watch and golf watch um, from up there. Par threes are also a lot of fun to sit and you know bring some singles and not people single dollars and. Um, you know, make some bets, pass some, some money back and forth, you know, pick, pick a player who's going to hit a closer, um, you know, set a number for, for if you think a guy's going to make a three or a four after they hit their tee shot or, or two or whatever. Um, but par threes are always kind of fun to sit at. So the sixth, um, six bleachers could be a good spot. They are all going to be exposed to the sun. I'd also recommend going to the 11th hole which is the short par three downhill. You're not going to see a lot of golf from that spot down by the green. It's just 
basically that shot. Um, you can kind of see the, the shots coming down, and then you can watch the guys putt, chip, and try to make par. It's 130 yards. The hole has never has not been played in a U.S. Open or any major um, golf event since 1913 when Francis Wimet won, and he made a double bogey there and went on to win the U.S. Open in his final round. So that's a that's a good spot to go to. It's kind of shaded, uh, probably depending on the time of day, so you can get a little bit of shade there too. The other spot on the back nine that is is pretty good that I discovered today is the 14th hole. If you walk down the fairway and stay on the right side, so you're basically opposite a huge amount of tent space and merchandise. I think all the tents on the left side of 14 are, um, you know, you have to have a special ticket to get into them. Um, if you don't, then you, then you're not going to be able to enjoy golf from those, from those vantage points. But if you go along the right side and you stand under the trees that are near the concessions, um, on that side of the hole, you can, you can get tee shots that will come close to you. Uh, because we watched, I watched DJ today and, um, Gary Woodland and they were about 30 to 40 yards past us. So you can, you can see good drives go past you. You might get some drives if they get wiped to the right that could end up pretty close to where you're standing. You're in the shade. There's concessions behind you. You can get your, your beer and your water and your beverages and your, and your snacks. Um, and you can watch golf and you can watch guys try to play this monster par five. If they hit a good enough tee shot, you might get to watch them hit some woods and hybrids um, up the hill. If they hit a wipey right, you know, right miss and are in the trees, you're going to see them have to deal with the, the thick rough and maybe just trying to punch the ball up down the fairway to then have a blind third shot. It's a really fascinating hole it's a, and it, it gives a cool vantage point. And the last place I would send you is the back of the seventh green. Uh, the seventh is a par four. That bleacher is probably one of the higher points on the property and offers you a view of a bunch of different holes. So if you go to the top row of that, if you get up there in time, you can see obviously this all of the seventh hole because that's a hole that um, from the bleachers you can see down and you can see the tee shots. You can see down the eighth hole, which is a par five. You can see down the 10th hole, which is behind the bleachers on seven. Um, so you can see that entire stretch of golf. You can kind of see the range and it's just a good, it's kind of a good spot. It's so high up. You're going to get to see a lot of different golf, a lot of good people watching, uh, and just kind of hanging out. So that's, those are the places I would send you. I would send you to six bleachers. I would send you to seven bleachers. I would send you to 11 because it's just a fascinating little hole with a with a green that I think you should go see and watch some at least watch a few groups play. And then the right side of 14 in the shade over there. Get a spot on the ropes. Bring a chair. You're allowed to bring chairs in. Bring a chair, plop it down, uh, and just hang out and watch groups go through. I don't think this is going to be one of those tournaments where you want to follow a group. It's going to be packed. There are spots where you kind of have to actually go out of your way to get um, around infrastructure because it's just such a it's such a tiny piece of property, which on the flip side is pretty great that you can be on one part one part of the golf course and maybe someone texts you and they're somewhere else. You can get places pretty quickly 
but you've got to cross holes and if you time it wrong you can be waiting it's like it's like getting red lights um on the on the road going somewhere or green lights and they can kind of slow you down um but thank you for listening um if you are going to be at the at the u.s open this week i hope you enjoy it um please follow bay state underscore golf please follow amateur golf um both of those are on instagram go to amateurgolf.com um, I've got a few pieces up there. You can read about the 15 amateurs who are playing. You can also read right now about the Francis Wilmette House and the restoration. It was um, a really fascinating thing to write and, and learn about. And uh, I would just thank you for listening to this all the way through. If you made it this far, you're a champ. And I will see you and chat with you either tomorrow or the next day. I'm not quite sure if I will have time tomorrow to do um, one of these little dispatches. Uh, If not, I will definitely do something after Thursday and or Friday as well to just get my thoughts down um, in some form before they all fly out of my head and I go try to have dinner and wrap up my day. So I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their night, the rest of their day. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.